0: Good morning. Good morning. Oh, that was pretty weak. Good morning, everybody. Are you glad to be in the Lord's house? Yes. You've made it this far. Let's worship our Savior. We're going to sing wherever we go.
1: Awesome. Fantastic scene this morning. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Good. Thank you so much for joining us for worship. This is center right here. Boom. Hey, camera. Uh, This is center right here. Hey, thank you so much for singing with us today. It's good to hear you celebrate and worship. We've been praying for you guys this week. We know that God has something incredibly special for, the, for us today, both in here, back in our kids area, all of our ministries across campus this morning. We just know that God showed up already today, and He's only going to continue to do so. So thank you for showing up and worshiping with us today. We have a lot to be thankful for, and I'm so thankful for Jesus and the salvation that He has provided today, provided for us able to celebrate with that with you all this morning. If you are a first-time guest, thank you so much for joining us this morning. There is a Connect card in the chair back in front of you. If you could, grab that, fill that out, and then after service, take it out to the Connect counter in our lobby. Uh, We have a gift for you, and we would love to be able to meet you, uh, get to know your family, and be able to share with you about what's going on here at Cavanaugh Church uh, throughout our ministries all week long, and see where you and your family could plug in. So, definitely uh, we don't want you to miss out on that. But it's so good to see you guys, and again, we We've been praying for you all week. I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're going to ask God's anointing our services this this morning. Let's do that. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so thankful for you and uh, what you've accomplished for us um, on the cross. And Lord, um, through your resurrection, uh, bringing us new life. Um, thank you for providing that hope for us, God, and I pray so much, more than ever, uh, that this message that Brother Will preaches today um, impacts us in a way that we've never been impacted before. For us as believers who've already experienced that life-changing grace and, and, and we can call you our own, Lord, I'm so thankful for that. Um, I just pray that we continue to grow as believers and we understand the significance of that love and that we are passionate about making sure that love is known in our family and and our friends and our coworkers and the world around us, God. Help us all to be vigilant and diligent about making sure that that love is known there. But for the, for the others that might be in this room that have never experienced that, that, that life's changing hope in their lives that you promised to provide through salvation, God, I pray that their hearts are open this morning. Um, I pray that in a very, very deep way, God, that you, they understand how much you truly do love them, and no matter where they find themselves in their life right now, for any of us in this room, that no, no problem, no boundary, no limit, no, no issue, no struggle, no nothing is going to keep you from getting to us, and your love, uh, you lo- from loving us. So, God, I pray that this morning. God, you sit on the throne of heaven for a reason. I pray through the preaching of the Word today, God, that we have a better and clearer understanding of just that. We love you. Be with our services today, and Brother Will, as he brings that message, we love you so much in your name. Amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in a couple moments.
0: Listen to Psalm 139, a few of the verses. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before even a single day had passed. You know what that says to me? That says that God knows me. God knows you, and he is very aware of what is going on in our lives every single day. God knows that you are here in this place, Fort Smith, Arkansas. God knows why you're here. He knows the burden that you carry or the joy and praise that you feel in your heart. God knows you. Is that not an amazing thought? It's too wonderful for me, too much for me to even comprehend, like the Scripture says. God knows me. This morning, as we sing this last song, it is a song of praise to Him. You know, we are supposed to offer a sacrifice of praise. We don't offer sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament. Our sacrifice is praise on our lips for what He has done for us, right? So this morning... Think about the goodness of God in your life. He has been faithful. His mercies are new every single day. Let's praise Him this morning for that. recognize that today. Thank you for your scripture. I thank you for Psalm 139 that just reminds us that we're not doing this by ourselves and that you are not so distant from us but that you see us. Every day is recorded in your book. You know. You know us. Lord, help us to grasp the reality that you came From heaven to earth for us help us to surrender our lives to you and celebrate your goodness your faithfulness your long suffering your new mercies every day God I praise you in this place I thank you for personally the goodness you've had in my life I will praise you all of my days in Jesus name I pray amen thank you you may be seated
2: everybody said? Amen. Thank you, Praise Team. And God, thank you for your goodness. Wow. It's good to have you in the Lord's house today. And uh, what a privilege it is to share with you from the Word of God. Last Sunday, uh, unknowingly, I started a new series on the promises of God. And I'm just going to continue to preach for a few weeks on what I'm calling big promises from a big God. And today we're going to talk about guilt. Guilt be gone. Guilt Be Gone. I came up with a different title, but I shared that one with Angie, and she changed it to Guilt Be Gone. I like that better, don't you? Guilt Be Gone. Say it with me on three. One, two, three. Guilt Be Gone. And your guilt can be gone today. We know the Bible is filled with promises, but have you ever wondered just how many promises there are? Well, over 60 years ago, a man by the name of Everett Storms, set out to answer that question. He began counting every promise in the Bible, starting in the book of Genesis and going all the way through the book of Revelation. It took him two years to complete his project, and he concluded that there are 7,487 promises from God to man in the Bible. That means that one out of every four verses contain a promise from God amazing amazing but why study the promises of god well i don't think that's a very hard question to answer those promises give us faith to believe during our darkest days and the strength that we need in our moments of temptation if we know god's promises we find guidance to take the next step and we gain strength to keep going even when we don't feel like going on. D.L. Moody, the pastor from years gone by, laid down a challenge for all of us. This is what D.L. Moody said. Let a man feed on the promises of God for one month, and he will not talk about how poor he is. You hear people say, oh my leanness, my leanness. I don't. Today, in this generation, I hear no one talking about their leanness, all right? He's not talking about physically being lean. He's talking about being poor. Oh, my poorness, my poorness, how lean I am. It's not leanness, he said. It's laziness. (laughs) So if you would only read from Genesis to Revelation and take in all the promises God made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to the Jews and to the Gentiles, to all all people everywhere, if you would spend one month feeding on the precious promises of God, you wouldn't be going around complaining about how poor you are. You would lift up your head and proclaim the richness of his grace and nothing could stop you because God has so many promises for you. Perhaps you remember the words of this old gospel song Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. May the Lord make those words come true for us. This series is called Big Promises from a Big God. And today we're going to talk about God's answer to our problem of guilt. It's based on two verses found in Hebrews chapter 10. I told the people at the first service, I have never in my ministry of preaching 40 years preached on these two verses, nor have I ever heard a message from these two verses. Why? Because they're pretty tough verses. But you know what? You're tough people. We can handle it today. Let me tell you what's going on in Hebrews chapter 10. The writer of the book of Hebrews starts this chapter talking about the Old Testament sacrificial system. He's saying that, that the sacrifices made in the Old Testament to cover over the sins of the people were simply a shadow of something God had in store for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. He goes on to tell us that these blood sacrifices, these animal sacrifices in the Old Testament could never, and look at me, they could never remove your sins the blood of animals cannot take your sins away they could cover over your sins and that's exactly what they were for to cover over your sins so that you could stand before god but they could never take away your sins and then we come down to hebrews chapter 10 verses 11 and 12 our two verses for today, and here's what the writer says. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, in some translations uses the word priest, but this priest, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God amen now in some ways this passage is difficult to understand after all how many of you brought a lamb to church last Sunday or how many of you brought a bull or a goat as a sacrifice today the answer to both of those questions is none of us did which reminds us that we live in a totally different world than the Jews of the Old Testament. And I thank God that I'm living today and not back then. What is the main point of this passage? Well, in the Old Testament, the priest stood, and that's what the verse says, verse 11, the priest stood because his job was never done. Ever. Ever. But Jesus sat down at the right hand of God because after making his body as a sacrifice for your sins on Mount Calvary was finished. His job was done so he could sit down. So here's my message in five words. The priest stands, Jesus sits. That's the whole sermon right there. The priest stands Jesus sits and if that's still too complicated I can break it down to two words unfinished finished a casual reading of Leviticus reveals that the Old Testament religious system was a very bloody system if you were a priest in the Old Testament you spent a good deal of time every single day killing animals draining their blood. In some cases, taking some of this blood and sprinkling it on the altar. In some cases, preserving part of the animal for food and then burning the rest of it. All day long, that was your job, killing, draining the blood, burning the carcass. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And no matter how hard you tried to wash it off, you would go home with the smell of blood and the burning flesh of carcasses on your clothes. Three words summarize the religion of the Old Testament. Blood, death, sacrifice. If you served as a priest for 40 years, you would have killed thousands and thousands of animals. The blood that you drained from their bodies would fill a small lake. And when you died, somebody else would come along and pick up your knife and take your place and do the same thing you had spent your life doing. There was no end to the killing, no end to the bloodshed, no end to the death because that's the religion God set up for his people. And you might say, well, God is such a mean God. No, he did it because you sinned. He is a holy God. He cannot look down on sin. He can't look down on your sin. So something had to cover over that sin. And God chose the sacrifice of animals, the blood of animals to be that covering so that you could have communion with him. If, if you've never marked this verse in your Bible, you need to mark Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. It is a key verse in understanding not only the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, but of understanding what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. Here's Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls." For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul." Now that word atonement doesn't mean to remove or take away. The word atonement simply means to cover over. And so it is the life of the animal. The blood is in the life. It is the life blood of the animal that was sacrificed to cover over your sins. And during the 1500 years from the time of Moses to the time of Christ, hundreds of thousands of lambs and goats and bulls were offered on the altar to make an atonement, a covering, to put a band-aid over the sins of the people. That's what the writer of the book of Hebrews means in our passage, chapter 10, verse 11, when he says, they do this day after day again and again offering the same offerings offering the same sacrifices again and again exodus and leviticus describe the architecture of the ancient tabernacle moses writes at great length concerning the brazen altar the table for the showbread the candlesticks the veil the furniture inside of the holy of holies but but did you know that you never read about a chair being in the tabernacle. Why? Because there were no chairs in the tabernacle. When the priests were standing before God to minister, they could never ever sit down. Why? Because they never finished the work of making sacrifices and presenting blood on the altar before God. They had to keep doing it again and again and again. And whatever else one can say about the sacrificial system, it was not God's ultimate desire. From the very beginning, God always planned something better. That's why we begin reading in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, and it tells us the law was simply a shadow of good things to come. Through the monotonous repetition of blood, death, and sacrifice, the Jewish people learn they dare not approach God on their own. The only way they could come before God is through the sacrifice offered in the blood of an animal on their behalf. This is heavy, isn't it? A little complicated, isn't it? We haven't come to the good part yet, but we're heading that way, okay? So don't get too bummed out. Don't turn me off. Let me just say it another way. Suppose you were a priest in the Old Testament. Let's pretend, okay? You're a priest. Now let's suppose, because we are supposing, that you didn't live just a normal life of however many years you're going to live, 60, 70, 80 years. You live to be 1,000 years old. Are you liking this? I'm not. I would hate to live 1,000 years. But he, let's suppose you lived 1,000 years. Let's further suppose that from the day you were born until the day you died, you offered a lamb as a sacrifice to God every morning and another lamb as a sacrifice to God every evening. You never missed a day, you never missed a lamb. By the day you died, you would have lived 365,000 years Days And you would have offered 730,000 lambs to God. But do you know how many sins you would have forgiven? Zero. Not a one. None. That's not much work to show for a thousand years of work, is it? How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me that. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So if animal sacrifice could not take away our sin and remove our guilt, what sacrifice could make a difference? Are you with me? God has said, the only way you can come before me is through the blood offering that is sacrificed on the altar. That, that's the only way I'm, I'm going to have a relationship with you is if the blood is shed. And if an animal can't do it, if only the blood of an animal covers over, simply covers over your sin, how in the world could we have any kind of offering that would make a difference? Well, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 explains the answer. But. We're going we're gonna to hang out right there with that first word, but. If, if you have a pencil, grab one, and your Bible is open, you underline that word, but. You circle that word, but. When this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. It all centers around that word, but. Circle it, underline it. Your salvation depends on that one little word. You're going to heaven because of that one word, the word but. On one side stands the priest. He's doing the will of God day after day, week after week, year after year. Killing animals, sacrificing their blood, sprinkling it on the altar covering over and making atonement for your sin. Their hands are stained with blood. They do the same thing every day. They do it all day long, all the time. And when one priest dies, another one steps up to continue the same practice of offering sacrifices. They're always standing. They're never getting to sit down because their job is never over. That's one side but then on the other side stands one man his name is jesus and the little word but separates the priests of the old testament from the lord jesus christ of the new testament and that one word but makes all the difference after they had done all the killing they could do in accordance with the Old Testament law, they could never take away your sin. Jesus did what they could never do. When Jesus climbed on that old rugged cross and His blood was shed, it poured from His body down that stick and onto planet Earth, He did what they could never do. And when he did that on Calvary's cross, the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of God. Why? Because his work was finished. One man, God's son, paid for our sins forever. He finished the work of salvation when he died on the cross and then he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. You understand this picture, don't you? I mean, are are you getting it? It's a wonderful thing to come home at the end of a hard day's work and just sit down. You know that feeling? Do do we work anymore? I don't know. I I used to love going over to my granddad Whitmire and granny's house, especially when, when evening time came. My granddad was a construction worker. Uh, and and he would swing a sledgehammer all day long and he was tired when he came home and I I I can see it as if it were happening yesterday my granddaddy Whitmire came home took a bath and he went and sat in his chair and my granny god bless her waited on him hand and foot didn't she She had been working all afternoon to prepare him a supper and when he sat down, she brought that tray and set it in front of him with all of the food that he wanted and she would just stand there and if he needed something else, she'd bring it to him. If if he finished his glass of tea, just like my dad, he would shake it and Granny would go over there and fill it up. I found out the hard way Ladies don't do that anymore, and <laughs> nor should they have to, okay? I, tried, I told you that story, didn't I? Some, some of you new people never heard this. I, I'd seen my granddad do it. I saw my dad do it. I thought, well, hey, this is just the way it works. And when, when I finished my glass of tea, I just shook it, and Miss Angie looked at me like I was crazy, <laughs> and I shook it again. And before it was all over with, the ice was all over me. How in the world did I get to that point? I, I don't know. Sitting down after a hard day's work. Man. You, you know what I'm talking about? I told the first service, it, 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 you don't think this. You think preaching is easy. What an easy job he has, greasy job he has. He doesn't do anything. Well, if you think that, it's apparent you've never preached. Uh, Stephen Alford was my, one of my preaching heroes. He was, he was a great preacher. He taught preachers, had a, had a preaching institute in Memphis, and thousands of preachers would go learn how to preach from him. I literally learned how to preach from Dr. Stephen Alford. And, and he did research on this, and, and he had doctors put, uh, put uh, devices all over preachers' bodies and, and electrodes, and, and they tested preachers who preached... 35, 40 minutes, just to find out what this that I'm doing right now does to the human body in a sermon. And what he discovered is that preaching for 35 or 40 minutes is pretty equivalent to working an eight-hour job manual labor. The, the stress that it puts on the hum- human body is pretty close to the same thing. Now, I'm, I'm looking at your faces, and I'm seeing the doubt that you have, You can take it up with dr alford when you get to heaven because he's dead now all right but let me tell you it it ain't easy doing what i'm doing i know i know the stress that it puts on my body mentally physically spiritually and if if you don't think it is you, you just contemplate this for a second i know that one day I'm going to have to stand before Almighty God and I am going to have to give an account of what I preached and what I said to you, Second Service, January 28th, 2024. And for every message I've ever preached to any group of people, I'm going to have to give an account of that before God. Now just think about that a little bit. What, What kind of stress is that going to put on you? That's pretty heavy-duty stress. I've already done this once today, it's my second time to preach, so when I go home here in a little bit, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna sit down in the chair and I'm gonna get my own refill. (laughs) That's kind of the picture that the writer of the book of Hebrews is is painting here. Jesus finished his work. He sat down at God's right hand in heaven because his work was done. When Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished. He didn't mean by that it's almost finished. He didn't mean by that, I'm 90% done with the work of salvation. He wasn't saying by that, I've done my part so you can do your part. No, let me give you the Greek on this, finished means finished, it's done. Christ paid in full the price of our salvation. That is why he sat down. If you want to go to heaven. You need a set down kind of salvation. The Old Testament sacrificial system couldn't give that to you, Jesus did. So let me wrap all this up with three eternal truths that explain God's answer to your problem of guilt. And, and by the way, let me, we all deal with guilt. If, if, if you're sitting right there today saying, I don't, I've never dealt with guilt in my life, you're lying through your teeth because we all feel guilt. God made us that way. We need to feel guilty for the sins we've committed. We need that guilt to prove to ourselves we've done wrong. <coughs> Here is God's answer to our problem of guilt through this passage. Number one, Jesus Christ has done in his death what the Old Testament priests could never do. The priests were good men. They were doing God's will. But Jesus Christ has done what they could never do. He has accomplished what I'm calling here a set-down salvation. Now, we've all said practice makes perfect. Y'all know that saying. We we could debate that this morning and and prove the fact that no, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Makes permanent. If you're practicing bad, you're going to just... You know what I'm saying? You're just going to keep getting worse. But but let's just let's just say practice makes perfect, right? It can. In in sports, we say that practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. My son Zane played football at Greenwood for years and years and years. He 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 was a receiver. Practice makes perfect. He practiced all the time, running his routes, which way, what to do, when to turn, how to catch the ball, where to catch the ball, what to do with the ball when he caught the ball. Practice, repetition, doing it over and over and over again. He was on the basketball team. They practiced all the time, dribbling, shooting, passing. Practice makes perfect. I'm a cowboy shooter. love to shoot cowboy action. It's all about time. The beeper goes off. You run the stage as fast as you can you're handling and manipulating and moving around and using different guns different ways. And if you're idle, if you're still, if you're not moving all the time, taking different guns and doing different things, you're wasting time. And one of the biggest wastes of time is loading our shotguns. I shoot a double-barrel shotgun. I load from the waist, so there's a belt around my waist with my shotgun shells. I shoot a 12-gauge SKB shotgun that's been modified. When the time comes for the shotgun, I'm picking up the shotgun and I'm pulling shells at the same time, because if you're not moving, you're wasting time. And the trick is laying those shells in those chambers. There's an art to it. A lot of people, when they first start, they'll they'll take their shells and they'll just try to poke them into the chambers. That's going to waste time because it's hard to do that and you're gonna fumble and drop one and miss it. What you need to do is pull those shells, roll them over the barrel into the chambers. That's the way the good people do it, the, the good shooters. They roll them over, shoot, shuck it, and as you're shucking it, you're pulling two more. And the, I'm, this really has you captivated, doesn't it? The only way you're gonna get better and faster is if you practice that. That's why at 10 o'clock at night, I'll go over to my garage and Angie doesn't see me for an hour. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just standing over there. (laughs) Over and over and over. (laughs) To where I can do it with the lights off and my eyes closed. Practice makes perfect. But practice does not make perfect when it comes to the forgiveness of your sins. You'll never get your sins forgiven by doing something over and over and over again. Good stuff. Like coming to church or saying a prayer or keeping the Ten Commandments. When it comes to forgiveness, practice does not make perfect the only way you can be made perfect is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the only one who can take your sins away. Number two, nothing can be added to the work of Christ because it is final and complete. That's what Jesus meant when he said, it is finished. The word means paid in full. Nothing we can do will ever add to the value of Christ's death. It's done. It's paid in full. Lewis Chafer put it this way. Believing in Jesus means trusting him so much that if he can't take me to heaven, I ain't going to heaven. In other words, I don't have a plan B when it comes to getting to heaven. There's only one plan of salvation. It's God's plan. Plan A. He's all that you need said another way is this, if Jesus' blood is not enough to save me and get me into heaven, the blood of a million bulls and goats would make absolutely no difference. I think we struggle with this concept because it forces us to admit two things. Number one, it forces us to admit that we can't do anything to save ourselves. And it also forces us to admit that Jesus has done it all. Did did you realize that only undeserving people get to go to heaven? It it goes against everything we believe. We think we need to work for our salvation. Do this, do that, be better here, be better there, no! (laughs) Jesus did it all. Billionaire Michael Bloomberg said this a few years ago, he said, I'm telling you if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm headed straight in. I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. Well, we shouldn't be shocked by his words because you know what? That, that's what most people really believe. Mr. Bloomberg just had the audacity to say it out loud. <laughs> but he's wrong, he's wrong and, and so are people who think that way. Look at me, you cannot earn your way to heaven we're sinners we've got to admit that the bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god so do you want to go to heaven jesus is the only way in fact with his own mouth jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no one gets to the father except through me truth number three because his work is finished our guilt can be gone. Really, this is the necessary conclusion to Hebrews chapter 10, 11, and 12. The priests stood because their work was never finished. And they offered the same sacrifices over and over because sin was never removed. But Jesus, having offered himself as the sacrifice for sin forever, sat down in heaven because his work was done. So you know what I can say about that? Guilt be gone. I mean, the devil doesn't have a hold on me anymore. Jesus has taken my sin away. Through the blood of Jesus, I have been forgiven of all of my sins, and the load of guilt he has taken away. When Micah drew near to the end of his little book, he exclaimed, and Micah 718. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives transgressions? Where, where can we find a God like this? Well, there's only one. You know, every other religion that has ever existed is based on works. You work, you do, you might make it. Stuff like this: give money. Go to church or the tabernacle or the sanctuary or the building. Light a candle. Pray all night. Give alms to the poor. Offer a sacrifice. Keep the commandments. Follow the golden rule. Be a good neighbor. Obey the law. Stay out of jail. Try harder. Do your best. Live a good life. Give more money. But look at it. That is not what God demands He's not like Santa Claus making a list and checking it twice and we'd better be glad of that because if God did keep a list of our sins we'd all end up in hell. So let me ask you a personal question. What have you done with all of your sins? (laughs) Oh yeah, you got them. What have you done with them? And also with that, what have you done with all the guilt that haunts you because of your sin? The guilt that keeps you up at night, that guilt that wakes you up in the middle of the night, that, that guilt that captures your mind while you're trying to work, that guilt that just makes you ornery and mean-spirited? Nobody wants to be around you and you're angry with the people who love you the most because of the guilt that is in your life? What, What do you do with all of that guilt? If you brought it in here today, don't carry it out. Let's deal with it. What do you do with your sins? What do you do with your guilt? You give them to Jesus. Look at me. His blood is enough. His sacrifice was enough. Your sins can be forgiven. Your sins can be removed. He can take your sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember them or hold them against you again. And the result of that is guilt be gone. And that is a big promise from a big God to you today. In 1878, Ira Sankey, D.L. Moody song leader, published a, a song book entitled Sacred Songs and Solos. Freddie, most of these songs were well known. They were sung by Christians, but there was one song that was really unheard of he put it in that book and we all sing it now. Here's how the chorus goes. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He can do that for you today. He's already made the sacrifice. He's already died on the cross. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And you know what he's doing at the right hand of God? He's making intercession for people like you and me. Remember, the only way we can have communion with God the Father, the only way we can come into his presence is through the blood that is sacrificed from the life of a person. And Jesus was that perfect person. His blood was enough. He provided a set-down salvation. So if you've not received it, come get it today. Don't walk out of these doors carrying that guilt that has burdened you all of your life. Guilt be gone. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would speak to hearts through your Holy Spirit Dear Lord, if there's anyone in this room who is unsaved or they're not sure about their standing with you, I pray that they would come and pray the sinner's prayer, receive forgiveness from you and allow you to take their guilt away. Lord, there are some Christians in this room who have still been struggling with guilt. They they have allowed the devil to come and and bring all this. their life and i pray dear lord that today they would come and receive the victory that is in jesus that they would walk out of these doors free from the guilt of sin lord there's others in this room who just need to come and spend some time at the altar praying to you maybe interceding for lost loved ones or praying about a situation in their family lord give us the freedom to do that move as only you can And help us to respond in faith. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team's going to sing. Altars are open. Let's use them today. Come. Come to Jesus. continue to sing. Would you come? Come right now as Jesus speaks to you. Come to him. But I do love you and I thank you for for everything you've given I thank you for my family I thank you for this church I thank you for my friends but most of all I thank you Jesus for your sacrifice on Calvary's cross I thank you for the precious blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world including my own Help us, dear Lord, to reflect your grace and your love to a lost and dying world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated just for a moment. I won't keep you long. I just want to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, thank you for being here today and for listening. If God wills, we'll, we'll talk about another big promise from a big God next Sunday, okay? If you're a member of the church, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes if you're a guest. Fill out that Connect card, take it to the Connect counter, and uh, we'll give you a gift. Wednesday night, we're having church for all age groups, so come and get involved. Our Puerto Rico group leaves for Puerto Rico here in just a couple of weeks. They've got one final little fundraiser. They're trying to uh, raise some money to get there and to minister to the kids in Puerto Rico who attend the school that we support. Uh, they're, They're... Smoking ribs, you can get a rack of ribs for 25 bucks and pick them up on Friday, so sign up for a rack of ribs. Also, there's a really cool grill back there. They're going to raffle that off for 10 bucks. You can buy a ticket, and next Sunday, we're going to pick the golden ticket from right up here. A yard sale, they're going to have up here at the church on next Friday and Saturday. You can donate stuff and then come back and buy other people's stuff. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But that's the way it works. Next Sunday, we're going to have baptism day here at Kavanaugh Church. We already have a long list of people who have been saved but not baptized. If, if you haven't connected with one of our pastors to be baptized, please do so today or this next week. We'd love to see you baptized. I hope you have a great week. Uh, I love you. The staff loves you. Most of all, Jesus loves you. So have a good week and walk in faith.